If you use the internet on a daily basis, and chances are you do, you probably don't put much thought into cybersecurity. You know, your network connections, the pages you visit, the files you download. You should be thinking about these all the time. Welcome to And Security for All. Your host is Kim Hakem. We're here to help you understand, in general terms, how and why your cybersecurity should be kept in check. Now, here is Kim Hakem. Hello, everyone. Happy Friday. I'm Kim Hakem, your host. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome to another episode of And Security for All. I hope everyone's ready for the weekend. Big weekend, Super Bowl weekend. Interesting that it um, ended up staying in Los Angeles with all the restrictions out there. I know for a moment it was going to move to Tampa. I was kind of shocked the other day that I found out it's still in Los Angeles. Definitely will be interesting to watch if people are wearing masks and, you know, it's their team there. Are they going to be screaming through their masks? I highly doubt we're going to see masks, but we'll see. We actually have an in-person um, Los Angeles cybersecurity conference on January 24th. Not as easy as it used to be getting people to come back to events. Hopefully they didn't, they weren't at the Super Bowl and hopefully they're not sick and they don't come to our event. But um, it's hard getting people back to tech conferences, but they'll definitely go to a crowd um, for Super Bowl Sunday. If you happen to be in the LA area, check out our cybersecurity event. It's happening, like I said, Thursday, January 24th. We have an amazing lineup of speakers. Then we are off to Minneapolis, Baltimore, New Jersey, Omaha. For those of you who don't know, I'm also the CEO of FutureCon Events, which we conduct cybersecurity events throughout North America. My guest today has actually been a keynote speaker a few times for our events. She's amazing, and I'm super excited that I got time on her busy, busy schedule for her to be here today. Um, Tina Precioni is my guest today, and we're going to be chatting about uh, the role of continuous learning, how the role of continuous learning plays in keeping up with the evolving world, world of cybersecurity. After all, that is exactly what FutureCon is all about. Tina Piccioni is the Managing Director, Telecommunications, Media, Entertainment, and Gaming for Google Cloud. She joined Google Cloud in 2020 as their Managing Director. She's responsible for driving the strategic direction of the TMEG industries with a focus on ISVS partners, we can ask her what all that means, 5G strategy. She's in charge of technical execution and leading the sales team and customer engineering teams. Prior to joining um, Google Cloud, she was, um, she was the executive vice president and CIO of RTI International. It's a nonprofit research institute where she strengthened the operational discipline with global technology solutions delivering new capabilities, ensuring RTI met all its client requirements. She has her hands in everything before RTI. She had leadership um, positions at Fidelity, Investments, AT&T. Um, Tina works actively with Future Business Leaders of America, rewriting the code and sponsors DNI training. She's helped launch Triangle Women in STEM, 
which uh, kudos to her, a program for Research Triangle Park Region in North Carolina. She sits on all kinds of different advisory boards, committees. I could sit here and spend the whole hour talking about her bio. I think uh, let's just invite Tina in the show so we can find out more about her. Welcome to the show, Tina. Thanks so much, Kim. I am so looking forward to the conversation and talking to you. This is the highlight of not only my day, my week, my month. So thank you so much. Well, thanks for being here. Now, I forgot pre-show, we were talking a little bit and you said you're in a hotel room. So what part of the country are you in right now? I am. I'm actually in Atlanta, Georgia for today. So Okay. Well, that's nice. We were talking that you're kind of starting to travel again a little bit here and there. A little bit. December was fantastic. Before COVID and Omicron really hit, I was able to go to New York and Los Angeles. I was in Atlanta. I was all over and had so much fun seeing teams I hadn't seen and people. And it's funny, as we get back to some of the um, what I call normalcy, people are really having a hard time and struggle with, do we fist bump? Do we shake? What do we do? And it's funny because it's a muscle we haven't used for two years. It's hard to believe it's been two years since COVID really hit. And so because of that, that's been the fun part of it is how do we really get back to business? How do we use that muscle again? And how do we start engaging with people? Well, we are, we're trying to do it. And, you know, it, like I said, it's hard because half the people want to be in person, half the people want to be at home. I don't even think it's a COVID thing anymore. I think it's just some people, the introverted people are going to do as much virtual as they can. And the extroverted people are going to be out there at events. And, you know, um, you're, you're, I'm so excited to have you here today. And I know when you did our keynote shows, you were at RTI International. I never even found out how you made the move to Google. But before we do that, um, can you just let our listeners know a little bit about you, how you got in, you know, this career, how you got where you are and, you know, you have a long, a long history. So I don't oh, even absolutely. know where you want to start. Absolutely. No worries. And to make you laugh. So um, when I started my career, most of you would never guess my first job was Disney World and it was singing. Oh and gosh, uh, I sang with the, right, with the <laughs> Atlanta Ballet and Symphony and everybody's like, seriously, and how'd you end up where you are? Music is math. It's just a different coding language. And so I left music, got a degree in journalism communication and started on a tech career that I have loved every minute of and haven't looked back. And it's really how to pivot and how to keep reinventing yourself as tech changes and as things change. So learning to code for me became very easy because again, math is music, just a different language. So I spent a lot of time at AT&T. I loved every moment of it. I changed jobs about every two years. And I went through a lot of lateral moves because the philosophy there was ensure you understand every aspect of the business so you can lead and run the business. So I worked in numerous roles from release management to project management to running um, DevOps teams to running agile teams and then would take on a different role. So went in lots of different motions and then did the big data center of excellence at AT&T prior to moving into Fidelity and from Fidelity into RTI and from RTI into Google. So again, it's been a progressive career, but when you take a step back, it's actually been very purposeful. 
So it's so, giving me a lot of different key aspects of that. Yeah, because you're, I mean, your bio alone, and I, I recommend everyone, you can just go to Voice America, go to the Business Network, and you can read um, Tina's bio, because it was just too long. I would spend 20 minutes talking about everything that you've done, but we're going to find out. So is that how you started as a coder? So I started as a coder, and I also started, it was funny, when I started I was reading um, a manual and they had a product and I couldn't make the product work. And so I reached out to the company and uh, they said, let us get you in touch. And I got in touch with a consulting firm and they said, would you be willing to rewrite the book on how to use our app? And I said, absolutely, because it does not work. And so I actually got into coding that way. So it was kind of almost fell in my lap and had a ball ever since. Well, that's awesome. And then when you were at RTI, I know. So did you have you purposely? Is that kind of you like to move? And is that just to stay yeah, I ahead spent of the curve? 18 years. Yeah, I spent 18 years at AT&T. So a okay. big, long career because every two years I had a different job. So think about it this way. I never got bored because every two, two and a half years, they reinvented you and said, here's a new job for you. Enjoy. And so it was like a different career every time. And from AT&T, after 18 years, I knew if I didn't jump then, I never would. And Fidelity offered a position to where I could come in, I could learn the business running um, Q&A, and turned around and ended up as a chief operating officer for Fidelity. So it was a fantastic career at Fidelity for three and a half years. And at the time, I needed to move uh, to Boston. I had two girls that were high school seniors, and I decided to move was not in the cards. I'd already moved him across the country three times. And so I went to RTI International, which is the public sector, and I had never worked in the public sector. I had the grace of learning more in that role combined on cybersecurity. We had more issues when I first started in the first three weeks than I think an entire career could be said. And so it taught me a lot about how to manage chaos, change, and figure out how to do the right thing when you're in the midst of the storm. So it was an interesting time there. And then how did you get involved with their STEM program and how, when you left, do you feel like you left a big footprint for the, you know, for that to evolve and for girls, to, uh, hopefully, you know, young women to get into STEM? Yeah, I really, it's funny, everywhere we go, we leave a legacy or a footprint. And mine is how to serve well and how to make sure we're leaving a good footprint. So I've set up different groups everywhere I've gone. NC State Women's Program, I'm very proud of what we accomplished there and still doing it. In fact, uh, I just did their podcast a couple of weeks ago because I stay engaged with a mentoring program through them. Um, at North Carolina Triangle STEM, it's how to bring and involve women into the workforce. And if you know with the pandemic, part of the problem that we've seen is a lot of women have left. And a lot of women have left the workforce because they're taking care of aging parents, they're taking care of kids, they're taking care of households, and they don't have the grace of being able to do multiple things. When everybody went to an office, daycares were open, schools were open. So it's caused a lot of women to leave the workforce. And what I've always wanted to do everywhere I've gone is be able to open that opportunity back up to ensure that women are always able to come back into a workforce or have the tools to be able to come back. So a lot of it is how to ensure that we are continuing to train 
and ensure that we are giving women that mentorship to be able to re-enter the workforce and do it in such a way that they can thrive in their careers. How do you think it is for a woman CISO, um, you know, because I've just seen, I'm seeing a lot of CISOs stepping down in this past six months because of the stress. Um, how challenging do you think it is the difference from a woman CISO and a male CISO just because of some of the extra things that they're doing running a household and kids? Um, I hate to ask that question because I think that we all should be on the same page, but do you, do you think there are more challenges for a woman CISO than a male CISO? I do, and I think that if we don't start recognizing that, then we're gonna lose more and more females in the industry. I'd also say um, I, I'm a part of a group at Google that is bread winning women, bread working winning women, and uh, tongue twister to say the least. But it adds another level of stress because if you think about it, you're trying to manage the household, you are the single income, you're trying to put kids through school, you're taking care of aging parents. We all have the same 86,400 seconds. Nobody gets more or less. And women are very stressed at looking at it to say, how are we going to take care of everything we need to take care of ourselves and get the job done? And I think we're gonna see a lot more leave the industry than we've seen in the past. Um, So it does bother me that the stress levels are amped up. And I think with everybody still at home, it's amped up even more. And if you think about it, when you go to an office, are you exposed? Do you have it? Are you bringing it back to the kids at home or aging parents? So those same stresses continue. I agree. And just a little shout out. I like to always, anybody that wants to make any comments, um, please, we would love to chat with you guys. Ryan Carter, hello, welcome to the show. So. that's our first listener that has has had that put themselves out there. But um, you know, going back to the women CISOs, you know, I'm always working with CISOs throughout the country. And pre-show, I was telling you how I'm trying to fill, you know, my keynote speakers and all my CISO panelists. We have about 30 events, and I'm really trying to make a goal of at least having one female on every single show because I actually get a lot of feedback from people that say no females, no females are participating. And I wish I, I, they're, it's just, they're hard to find a it's added stress on their plate to participate. Um, but I really, if there's any female CISOs that are sitting out there, please reach out to me because I would love to, you know, tip the scale and have more women speakers than, um, I, I mean, I have great male speakers too, so I don't want to offend anyone, but I'm just trying to keep it diverse. Well, and as you look at it, Kim, you're exactly right. When we go onto a panel or we see ourselves in these screens and tiny windows as we have to look through the world right now, or even in person, you want to see people that look like you and you want to feel comfortable in that setting. And I think a lot of times when people are there, They want to see underrepresented talent. They want to see females. They want to see what's represented of where they are. And that's what is so hard right now, because to your point, I'm still a lot of times the only female on the screen or the only female in the room. And um, when I look around, I'm like, the only advantage is, hey, I am first in line for the bathroom right now. (laughs) Yeah. No, I always look for that rainbow there. So 
we've got to figure out how to make sure that we're gathering everybody and getting everybody together because I think that the different points of view matter. So if you think about it with cybersecurity, everybody's mind works differently. And if you're not getting the different diverse thinking, you're not going to win in the cybersecurity world because the attacks are coming fast and furious. And it's hard whether it is coming from a cyber attack, the phishing emails have exponentially gone through the roof, um, the text messages that are phishing, all of the different ones that are trying to get you to click that button and they're making it more, uh, you know, every time it's a little more, you've got to click now, it's urgent, it's exciting, it's if you don't do it, you're going to have a problem. Um, and then you get all of the different malware. And so the more we look at it, the more we have to start thinking, how do we have different points of view to start combating some of the things we're being attacked with? I agree. And just a couple of other people, Eugenia McDowell, thanks for being here. Kathleen Perry, thanks for being here. Jonathan Kimmett, he is the CISO over at the University of Tulsa. He's actually... Um, uh, agreed to co-host that or be a guest uh, moderator for me because I'm not able to keep up with this show every Friday because I'm traveling. So he's going to start doing some of my shows for me. So thanks for being here, Jonathan. Thomas Ho, who is uh, says aloha while snowboarding in Hawaii. Snowboarding. Okay, I'm jealous. Tom. I'm, jealous. I'm jealous. I, I can very much say that. I know I'm I'm going to I'm going to Park City this weekend. That is not Hawaii. I would rather be a snowbirding in Hawaii. Um Matt Clark, good afternoon for being here. So, going back to um some of the some of these roles that are out there, what are some of the key characteristics that you're looking for when you're hiring and when you're hiring, you know, is there something that that you're looking for that maybe you can mentor someone up the chain and does a female have more of a, um, a foot in the door than the male nowadays, which, which I do have a problem with that because I do have a brother who's in his fifties that was an exec executive in a pretty big corporation and the 50 year old male is not a good place to be right now. No, exactly right. And I will tell you to make you giggle. Um, I always say a female may get your foot in the door, but it's what you know that keeps your butt in the seat. Yeah. So that's how I look at it from that standpoint. But there is a lot of key characteristics. When you think about a job description nowadays, most women, unless they meet 80% of the criteria, never apply. I always say if you meet 10 or 20%, apply that is only upside for what you can learn. So the one characteristic I look for when I hire is do you have an aptitude for learning? Are you willing to dig in, to learn? Are you willing to go back to classes? Are you willing to put the effort in? Because that's what it's gonna take, especially in cybersecurity. It changes so fast and rapid that we have to keep up. And if we're not keeping up, then we're gonna be left behind. So you've got to be able to do that in such a way that's going to actually win. So have an aptitude for learning is number one. Be able to also, when you're in an interview, be able to articulate examples of where you think you can help scale a problem, where you think you can come in and solve a problem, where you can come in and solve a problem. So you look at all three aspects because you have business and operation and transformation things going on at a company. So how do you come in and help 
secure those things for the company to make it successful. So that's another big key area I look for when hiring. And the other thing I will tell you is um, I get called from recruiters all the time. And I love that. And I pass names on all the time. But when I start looking at it, it's who is going to be the best fit for the role and why? And I think a lot of times we have to take that step back. And a lot of us, uh, when you're out there, start taking a chance and be willing to say yes, because a lot of times we're not as willing to say yes. And that's really going to go far. So just to put out there, I think a lot of times we have to be willing to be able to look at a role from a different aspect and perspective than we normally have. So I'll leave it with that. And then for mentoring, oh my goodness, let me just say now, if you do not have your own board of advisors or board of directors, go get them. Find people that are gonna help advise you in your career to take a chance, take a leap and get information from them to say, is this the right move? How can I do it? A lot of times, most jobs are never posted. You get a call and that's how it works. So you've got to be able to keep a network up and be able to be open for your next possibility or opportunity, because I think that's critical and key. You know, last week, Jonathan Kimmett, he was on my show. He was on the show here and we were talking about he's doing something amazing at the University of Tulsa. He's actually having his cybersecurity students help with the SOC operations center that they have there. And they're actually being paid, you know, so they're, they're getting this on the job training while they're getting their degree. And I think that's just phenomenal. And I oh wish you would see that. More oh, often. Kim, sorry to interrupt, but a big shout out to Jonathan, because that is what I love. I work back with um, NC State and UNC, uh, especially with the Keenan Institute, where I'm advisor there. And then I work back with High Point University. And let me tell you, some of the most brilliant ideas come out of these kids. And I'm allowed to say kids because I'm that age and I have two that are 20 and 21. So I can now call them kids. I'm just putting it out there. <laughs> but when I look at it, it's they have amazing, brilliant ideas, and we've got to start looking at things differently. So if you think about it, we have a workforce that we've got to change out. And by change out, I mean they've left. During the pandemic, a lot of people just chose not to come back. And they're also in parts of the world that they've decided, I just want to live here and I want to do something different. So we've got to ensure that we're tooling and training our next generation because they're the ones we're going to have to rely on. So we have got to start thinking differently. How do we do mentoring? How do we do reverse mentoring? How do we bring them in and take a chance on them? I mean, they are eager and willing to learn. And there is entire universities that people can go into and have an entire workforce that we're missing. So I am completely with you. We've got to think differently. So what do you think, since we were talking about, you know, these kids or these young, you know, these young adults um, are going to be our next generation, what do you think cybersecurity is going to look like in the future? I think it's going to be fundamentally different. And if you think about it right now, you have, look, we did not, let's be crystal clear. We did not knock it out of the park with one, two, three, or four G. Now we have five G and now we're trying to have network and access accessibility for everyone. We're also trying to do different things with the POPs. We're trying to say, how can we connect you even more? How do we geofence? How do we ensure that we are getting our product to your phones, to you, and giving you an effortless experience? But the problem sometimes with effortless experiences is you have bad threat actors that try to come in 
and steal that from us. And they want to be able to spam us and they want to hook us and they want to fish and they are getting us to click where we shouldn't. And so when you start thinking about it, you're going to have a fine line between how do you promote a predictability of what you need and keep you safe and secure at the same time. The best people that understand that is the next generation. They grew up with the cell phone. They grew up on every device. They grew up having, I mean, at our house, we're you know highly connected. I swear, if you see us from space, you'll probably wear the house glowing uh, with our connectivity and all of our connections. But if you think about it, it's a hyper-connected world and we expect instantaneous. So as the workforce is looking at it, how do we ensure we are securing that? And the best ones, again, are the kiddos that are playing it. Think about all the games that are going on right now. You have a toxicity problem. How do you solve it? The same ones playing the games are helping solve some of the toxicity issues. So again, it's a different market than we're used to or thinking about as we did even two years ago. So a completely different market, a completely different subset, but I think a great way of looking at it to say, how do we engage with them and how do we think differently? Well, it's interesting because I have a, uh, my oldest is 25, but then my youngest is 17. The difference between the 25 year old and the 17, you know, just, just how technology has changed it, just in that short amount of time, she still is trying to figure out what she's going to do with her life. And I'm like, you know how to fix every computer around here. You know, you, you can break into anything that I try to lock down. So why not go into, you know, why not take a coding class or something? So it's just, how do you, you know, I talk this with, talk to this with many, many of my guests. How do you motivate the young females that this could be a good career? Okay. So here you go. This is what I did with my two girls. I taught them how to break into, into each other's laptops. So um, the way I knew I'd actually won was when you heard one of them screaming at the other one that how did you get into my laptop and you've got to get out and screaming for me to fix it. Instead of me fixing it, I told her then code faster. Keep her out. How are you going to secure your system faster than she can break in? And it was funny. You made it into a game and they loved it. I mean, gaming is right now the new cocaine, if you think about mm -hmm. it, because of the pandemic. So turn it into a game for these kids and let them see it can actually be fun and you actually can protect and secure things as you go. But we've got to entice them to see that this is the art of possible and they can make an entire career out of it and have fun along the way. I mean, I have fun every day I show up. So how do we make sure that we're articulating that to the next generation? Yeah, I agree. Um... You know, I did, it's just interesting that girls are now into gaming as well. You know, I my my daughter has a part time job and she hates it. She wants to go get a job at GameStop just so she can get. I I don't even know. I don't I don't even know how GameStop like. I don't even know about gaming. So I guess you're still buying games from GameStop, but you um, still can buy games. You can download them. They're streaming now. All different ways of consuming them. And you remember well. When I was growing up, you know, it was very exciting when you could just hit the ball across and it would bounce back and forth across the screen and you could code it. Now it is the 3D, you know, immersive activities that you're looking at and it's just a different world and they're building cities and they're uh, playing games with each other no matter what it is. And now it is 
and this is where I think the gaming companies need to pivot. How do you ensure that they have strong females as superheroes and models that they can turn to? Because they're not there. So how do we make sure that we are doing it? While they have a few peppered in, we've got to really lean in um, to get even more women into it. But I think it's a lot of fun. And trust me, when I go for gaming, I mean, I have a separate gaming mouse. Um, I have an entire setup for gaming as well, just because that's part of fun for me. And it's a stress relief. I know most people don't do that for stress relief, but for me, it's how do I unwind and unplug from the day to do something different? Um, a couple of few, a few more shout outs. Uh, and sorry if I mess up your name, Nateen. Satish, I messed it up, but uh, thanks for being here. He said, happy to join you all. Thomas Ho said, Jonathan, Kimmet, Catherine, Sigrid, Speller would agree with you. And Jonathan said, LOL, I'm not sure my wife wants me to put my daughters against each other. I think that's just, that's just great what you did. And, you know, let, let's talk about your job now with Google Cloud and tell us, I had no idea you were a gamer. And so does that... Um, you know, here you are, Google Cloud, the managing director over telecommunications, media, entertainment, gaming. Tell us what a day in the life of your job, what do you do on a daily basis? Great question, Kim. Thank you. So it's been a lot of fun. I've had the grace of having some of the top companies uh, across this great nation uh, that I interact with. So I interact with gaming companies, um, not only from how do we ensure their product is safe in the cloud, but at the same time, how am I going to meet their needs? What am I going to do to help them succeed? Because if they're succeeding, then we all succeed. And I think it's just a different way of looking at it. But I have a sales team. I have customer engineering teams. I have partner teams um, that help connect each other in between. So a complete gamut of different teams that basically are there to enable the framework for a customer to be able to do their job and effortlessly. And if you think about it, everything's going to the cloud right now. So whether it's with AWS, whether it's with Microsoft or Google, IBM Red Hat, or Oracle, you've got all different options and how do we ensure that you're having the best option to be able to service your business well. So that's what I do, a daily day in the life of Tina. So typically, unfortunately, on video calls for about 12 hours a day, I hate to say it, but I am on Amaya's time frame. I am on East Coast. I am on Mountain Time. I am on Pacific. So again, lots of different time zones that I try to juggle. So when you made that move, um, how did that happen? Because all of a sudden you were at RTI, and then before I knew it, you were over um, at Google Cloud as their managing director, which managing managing director is still a C level, you know, uh, title at lot, the big companies like Google yes. Cloud. So when you when you how did you feel about that, like losing like that the you know that executive title going to a managing um, yeah, director? Kim, that was probably the hardest decision for me um, because I worked so hard to get to the C-suite title to have just the title. And then when that uh, became a different title, and you're right, at Google, our titles are very different and they're seen very different. This is uh, one of their most senior positions. And I had to say, is it worth the title more or is it worth more the work that I would be doing and the impact I could have and the impact back with the customers and the platform I would have? 
And I think for me, it became a much larger platform uh, with the ability to go in and say, how do I impact people all around from being able to enable some of the projects that I do for STEM and for women? And how do I ensure that I am inclusively bringing them along? So I was able to really have a larger platform from a DEI perspective. I, I did wonder that, but, you know, it wasn't until recently because a friend of mine who is a, a SVP, she is moving and her title is managing director. And I'm like, you really want that as your title? Isn't that, doesn't that feel like a step down? And then that's when I'm like, well, managing director really is a big title with certain companies. So I was curious. Uh, thanks for answering that. So what are you doing with, um, you're on video calls all day. It seems like that's what everybody is. That's our new world. But with our the cloud, world, yeah. what, what's your what's your take on Google Cloud right now and how safe it is out there? And I mean, we all use Google Cloud all the time, every day. Yeah, no, I would listen as one that's been in cybersecurity my whole career. It is one that we focus on our security more than anything. To me, it's table stakes. It is one that that is the foundation upon everything that is built on it. So if you think about it, starting with security, that's paramount to how to build on Google Cloud and how to be able to store in the cloud safely. If that is your desire or if it's an ABI, API call and you're just passing through. Uh, either way, our main goal is to ensure that security of it. So I think that's the big piece of it that I would say from my perspective is how to ensure that you have that security. Because for me, if it isn't there with the table stakes, then we have a bigger issue. So, you know, the whole predictive, you know, analytics out there, and we all know how it is. We Google something and now, you know, those ads are popping up on Instagram. It's popping up on Facebook. It's everywhere. And I'm sure you watched that. I forgot what it was called. I don't know why my alarm keeps going off. So sorry about that. I cannot stop it. I have no idea. The, um, but um, what, you know, did you, you probably watched the whole, what was that movie? And it, it kind of was all about the big companies, Apple, Google, right. all the, you know, the, the young kids, but is that ever going to, is it just going to continue to get worse? You know, it's almost like if you say a product out loud, all of a sudden, you know, it's popping up everywhere in your email, your Instagram. I mean, what are your thoughts about all of that? Yeah, I would say if you think about it, it's helpful and hurtful all at once. So if you think about it from this perspective, when you're walking into a store and all of a sudden your phone goes off and it says, thank you so much for being a valued platinum customer. We're glad you're back. And here's a 50% off coupon. You're thrilled. Oh my goodness. You're already going into the store. Now they're giving you 50% off. You are all in. But then if that coupon hits at another time when you didn't expect it, then you're like, wow, I didn't want that. I didn't sign up for that. How did that happen? So I would tell you, as you start thinking about it, ensure when you're signing up for things, you know what you're signing up for. That's number one. When, and I always laugh, uh, you don't have to accept all the cookies, uh, which also has that embedded into the apps. So when you're looking through and you're signing yourself up for these things, be careful what you're signing up for. Some privacy policies are insane. They're 35 pages. And people send them to me all the time and say, can you believe this one? And it's, you know, 60 pages long. 
I think we have to start looking for ourselves as consumers to say, what's the best way to handle it and what's best for ourselves. But you're right, it becomes either really helpful or at times really creepy as you're looking at it. So you just have to be careful in what you're accepting, what you're doing, what you're signing up for, because all of it's going to be relevant at a later date. Yeah. And, you know, when going back to my, I, I have all these computers like in my house. I mean, there's probably like 10 of them. And so my daughter was looking for a new computer. I'm like, why don't you go through all these computers and see if any of them are good? They're all, you know, outdated. And I guess I need to get rid of them. But one is pretty, it's a pretty good Mac. And she's like, but I can't even use it. There's so many pop-ups that keep <laughs> happening on it. So I guess it's just been infected, you know, it's. it's oh um, yeah, it, they get infected so quick. And it's funny, there's a place in North Carolina that we have that we literally go in and we take all of the old computers and wipe them um, securely reload them and then give them to um, people in the community and schools to be able to use. But it's funny, every time we get one, it is like, holy smokes at the amount of malware that's on it and the amount of cookies that show up and the amount of pop-ups because again, it is the way it is. And I am one that I can assure you, I change about every year just because I'm like, all right, who has used my laptop and accepted everything? You've mm -hmm. gotta be kidding me, right? Um, and it drives us all insane. And so that's why I always laugh. I always say, who's accepted what, where, and when? And you'll see eventually somebody's hand little goes up and I'm like, see, stop. Well, another thing that's interesting too is like my old company, I had that company for 20 plus years. So I had the same, that same business email and I made the big mistake being younger of everything that I would you know, sign up for, I put that business email on there. Now, you know, now we have better, we have better tools, you know, that, you know, that stuff goes to spam. But now I will, if I'm at a store and trying to get a discount, I definitely use my uh, Gmail because I just don't want to be inundated. I mean, it was so bad, my email, when I left, you just, yeah, you know, I totally get agree. It. And you can send it all over to your spam folder and keep it over there. And, and it actually separates and you can have multiple inboxes. I mean, you wouldn't believe the things I have learned of being at Google on how to use our tools and it's effortless, which I love and being able to share documents across, which makes it fun. I mean, it used to be, you'd have to share a document. You'd have to send the link. They'd have to get on. Then you'd have to accept the changes. Then it can go back and it kept going back and forth. Now we make it effortless to where you can all be in a document at the same time. The only thing I hate is somebody typically will sometimes delete an entire paragraph I had. I'm like, are you kidding me? And uh, I have to go back and recreate it sometimes. I'm like, what'd you do that for? So it's funny when you go in, but it makes it effortless. And with the multiple inboxes, it makes it a lot easier to use it. We love it. Oh my God, my team, because we have all these events and all these lists, you know, so we all work from, you know, uh, Google Drive because we can all just be on the same document. But I'm the one that, that you know, messes things up. But I, I did, they did, my team has taught me how to recover <laughs> some I, of the things that I've deleted. No, so. no, I totally get you. We always can recover. All right, so I have a question for you, Kim. As you're getting back out there and getting in person, do you feel people are starting to come out or how do we encourage people? Um, because this is the thing, at some point, we've all gotta be able to figure out how to get back together because we're better together. 
and we're better getting those ideas together. I mean, I can tell you when I bring a team together, we can get a problem solved in an afternoon versus seven days of calls. So how do we start ensuring that we're getting people back together, safely of course, and that we're starting to really make an impact and a difference? Because I think that's also going to help keep people in the marketplace because they're able to see like-minded people. So what are your thoughts? Well, one thing that, you know, I was talking to Jonathan about last week is, you know, he's working with the interns at the school. We always invite interns to come work at our events at the, like, we don't allow students because they're sponsors really, that's not what they're there for is to meet students, but we will invite the students to come and work the registration desk. And then we let them go sit in the sessions and, you know, be at the events and what great experience because they're meeting the attendees, they're meeting, you know, possible future employees and the vendor room. So we started um, back in August going back to live events and it definitely has been challenging. You know, we can't, because we run it in a hybrid mode, um, you still have the people that at the last minute are like, ah, I don't, I don't really want to get up and get dressed today and put makeup on, whatever, you know, and go to an event. I'll watch it online. So a, we're trying to keep our, you know, in a city, we're trying to not let the local people have access to, um, to the events. Um, so that's, that's one thing that we're doing differently. And we are doing for the next year, we're honoring all these cybersecurity um, employees out there that are doing hard work. So because they're coming to the event and we're honor, honoring them and celebrating them, that's helping get people back out. It's just trying to think outside the box. You know, what can we do to um, get yeah, I'm people not back? I'm not disagreeing. I think we've got to all start thinking that way or we're not going to be able to get back in an effortless way. So I am completely with you. It's how do we think differently? How do we act differently? And how do we ensure that we're ready to be together when we're really apart? And I think that, you know, we have found out, I loved it when the pandemic hit. I remember the CEO at the time turned and goes, because it was two years ago, and I can tell you the day that we went remote, because it was right after Women's International Day, we had a huge, splashy event, and then everybody went, you know, what we thought was going to be two weeks and has ended up being two years, um, back away. And it's funny, in those times, I have to make you laugh. I am always in the one at home in the holy blue jeans, because my jeans typically have holes in it. I wear cowboy boots. Um, and from the waist up, I'm dressed as if I'd go into any meeting. So I've kept that up just because it helps keep my energy up and my excitement up because my whole thing is I can almost see that we're almost out of it. I can almost see a path out. I can almost see a way that we're coming back together. And for me, that's exciting. So I always keep that hope of the promise that we'll be back together again soon and be able to do things a bit differently. So, you know, we were in Dallas at the end of January and it is, and of course we've had a little bit of bad luck. We were in Atlanta in, um, in, uh, December and it was right when Log4J hit. So that, you know, that didn't help. And then we go to Dallas and the day of our event, it's 20 degrees in Dallas. Okay. So that didn't help, but we still had about a hundred people that came out to Dallas and the feeling that you get at the end of the day, and we had we had it at the House of Blues, so we're we're trying to change things up. So we had music at the end, and people hung out, and people were there until eight o'clock at night, 
you know, after the event, drinking, listening to music, networking. And we just, if you follow our social media, people just had the best time and people just miss that networking. It's just not the same on a camera. You know, having having a glass of wine with a colleague in person is not the same as doing it on a virtual, you know, happy hour. So. You're right. And we've tried everything. If you think about it this past year, we have done cooking shows and let me tell you, incredible cooking shows. But number one, um, they laughed at me because they said, obviously, I have zero cooking abilities um, and even sent me a new knife set trying to help. Um, but it did not. Um, I'm better at um, I'm helping support the economy by going out. How about if I leave it at that? So uh, but, you know, we've really we've tried everything. We did whiskey tasting. We've done wine tasting. We've done cheese tasting. We've done make your own hot sauce. We've done let's take everybody and look at what a farm looks like. Well, in North Carolina, that's pretty much every day of the week. So when you look at it, we've done just about everything. And we're to the point we've run out of things. And even if you look at some of the games, you start to see now even people starting not to do games anymore, not gaming as much. And the streaming of media and entertainment is now the latest thing. And as you look at it, you know, it's just ever evolving and it's ever evolving. And that's what I mean by with cybersecurity, you've got to keep changing and evolving to what's out in the marketplace. And it is continuously changing because of COVID. And it's going to continuously change because the economy has changed, where we are has changed, and the future is right now an ever-changing road. So I think that as we look at it, it just becomes a little more problematic, but we're going to have to keep getting creative as we go. I agree. And I have to tell you, I am, you know, on the bright side of COVID and all these virtual events we did, we did so many in the last two years, but I got, I built our you know, we built our team, we built like a great CISO network. We have, I have better relationships in the last two years than I've had in 20 years because it was more intimate, but now they're, you know, everybody's coming out in person. Now I get to meet everyone in person, but I am actually going stir crazy. I cannot wait. You know, I start, I'm just going to park city. I can't ski cause I just had shoulder surgery just to get out of my house. I'm just going to take my computer there and work there and then then things start to pick up where I'm traveling pretty much for the rest of the year. And so um, I'm ready for that. I miss walking in the airport, you know, everything, the physical aspect of just, you know, I do go to the gym every day, but the rest of the day, you're just sitting in your house working all day. It's just- Oh, I, I'm totally with you. I mean, my Apple watch goes off all day. It went off a second ago that says you haven't stood. What, what are you yeah. doing, right? Get up and do something. And it, it's funny. I mean, I have tried the stance at desk. I've tried the walking underneath desk. I've tried it all. And um, let me tell you, when you're coding, when you're doing a lot of things, it does not work effortlessly if you're trying to walk. And so um, I will leave it at that as I almost killed myself at one point, it seemed. So just getting back to that excitement of being on the road, excitement of also disconnecting from the screen for a few moments to be able to meet people in person, that has got to be exciting too. So I'm just saying it's a whole new world out there and getting back out into it is for me going to be the most exhilarating thing to be able to see people and say, all right, let's go solve another problem. How do we do it? How do we do it together? 
So one of the problems, though, I think we face, and this is what um, is going to keep us in this hybrid mode, is that there's still, I talked about it earlier in the show, there's still those people, you know, those coders, those people that, you know, do look at the screen all day. They came to our events before because they needed their CPE credit hours, you know, so now they can just log on virtually and get them still. And, and that is sad to me that those type of people probably won't go back out. And it was probably pushing them to a better place when they were going out because it did force them to talk to people and meet, you know, peers, open opportunities. I mean, how do you think that, you know, we, we get to them, you know, the, the people that, that there are people that just, they're fine not seeing people. No, I know. Look, I work with a lot of them every day and that's what I hear. And I think it is, how do we get them a little bit out of their comfort zone and up to say, but this is the key advantages. Here is where you're going to learn something new that even though you can learn it on screen, being able to have that interaction, being able to see the face of someone else light up from it, being able to see the reaction, and also, it goes back to that reverse mentoring, engaging them to mentor the next generation, getting them to a college campus, because they're the ones we need at the college campuses. Because the thing is, you've got a lot of students that are the same way, and a lot of students that are you know, wanting to take a chance, but don't know how to do it because they don't see anybody like them. So getting them to a college and being able to say, help be that reverse mentor help be able to engage and enable them. I think that's going to be one way of doing it. And even putting some of your shows, dare I say, even by college campuses or on college campuses to bring that college crowd and the business crowd together. Because let me tell you, the college students, they're all in. They yeah. are ready to be able to be seen and they are really hungry to see what it's like for an office. Because if you think about it, they've been two years in a pandemic. A lot of them have never been to an office. Yeah. You know, my, my daughter, when she just graduated last year and she moved to New York and she was going to an office every day and she, she, some of her friends were still working remote and she was like, Oh, you know, I'm so glad I don't have to work remote. I'm glad I'm, you know, going to an office. Well, then they went at Christmas time, the company went down to everyone's working remote because of Omnicron. So now she's like, oh, I have to go start back at the office next week. You know, this has been so nice, you know, and it's just it, it's like, again, this 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 place we're put in and we get used to it, you know, before she loved going there. Now I'm like, look, why do you want to be in your little apartment in New York? It was a nice walk. You don't have to take the subway. You're going to get to, and she's like, I know it's just, you just get in that comfort zone. So you do. And it's, I'm always one that likes to push out of a comfort zone and push the envelope a bit. And, um, it, and I know it's in my DNA and it's not in everybody's. And so that's part of what I try to do every day is take some that it's not as natural for them and say, how can I help you? How do I get you there? How am I able to inspire you to come with me on a journey? And a lot of it is a journey and it's a risk. And it's one though that is so well worth it to be able to get back a little bit. To your point, people are so craving it and they don't know they're missing it until they have it. And I think that's a big part of it. People just don't even realize how much they've missed it. 
Yeah, I agree. And it is taking a risk. You know, just today, I, I'm trying, I won't mention what city it is because this person will know who I'm talking about. But there was somebody, you know, when I'm trying to find my CISOs to speak at my events, I was trying to fill this one city up and I, I found this person. I was like, he's not going to do it. He's already told me he's not interested like two years ago. Now, I'm, I'm not advocating that you hound CISOs because that that is not what I'm trying to say. But I was like, uh, let me just take a chance, send him an email. And he said, oh, I think I can do it. Let me uh, let me check my schedule, you know, instead of just, I didn't want to send it because I was like, I don't want to bug this guy, but um, it ended up, it ended up being well, positive, you know? You know what I always tell Kim, this is what I tell my kids, this is what I tell everybody I mentor. What's the harm in asking? You're only going to have one of two choices. It's a yes or a no. And if you ask again, you might get the yes. And so it's funny, I can manage to get people to a yes in person a lot easier than over a screen, by the way, um, just because you've got to pull them along. But without ever asking, we're never going to know. So I am one that will always push the envelope and ask over and over. When I got my board of advisors and a lot of the followers that I have, a lot of it is because I took a chance to reach out and ask. I have no issues reaching out to a CEO or a CIO or a CISO or anyone, because all they can do is tell me no. But right. either way, it's a journey. I agree. You know, I had right before the show, a girl, I really don't know who she is, reached out to me and asked me if I could help her. She's looking for a mentor for something. And I really didn't understand what she was asking. And I was like, um, I don't really know what you're talking. I didn't say that harshly, but yeah. I'm like, can you expand on that? I'm happy to help you in any way I can, because I do have a lot of great connections. But, you know, she took a chance. She goes, hey, can I ask you for a favor? You know, she, I don't, we don't know each other. She just reached out to me because she knew I'm, you know, on social media a lot. So, um, you know, we've talked about a lot of things today and we're down to two minutes left. The show has, it, it, I knew it would go so fast with you. Is there any, um, how can people find you? What message would you want to leave with our viewers, especially anyone breaking into cyber? There were so many other things we were going to talk about. Um, any last words that yeah. you'd like to leave with our, to our listeners? Thank you, Kim, and thank you for having me. This show is incredible. I'm happy to come back. So a couple of things, continuous learning, keep learning. Reach out to me on LinkedIn. I am always open to a connection. Um, you know, send me, shoot me a note. I am always one that's open to answering, listening, and helping people any way I can. Um, take a risk, take a chance. Say yes more than no, uh, because I think that people in this age have been less risky. We've got to start getting back out there. And in cybersecurity, please, please, please quit clicking all the buttons and quit clicking on every phishing email. Just because it's urgent doesn't mean that you need to click on it. Um, I can't say that enough. I okay. think that happens all the time. Thank you, Tina. I didn't mean to cut you off, but the radio show is going to cut us off. Tina Piccioni, Managing Director, Telecommunications, Media, Entertainment, Gaming at Google Cloud. Thank you for being here today. If you need to find Tina, um, you can find her Tina Piccioni and she's excellent. If you've never heard her speak, she's amazing too. So thank you everyone. We had a great group of people join us today. You guys have a great weekend. Um, hope you enjoy the Super Bowl. Have a happy Valentine's Day on Monday. And until next week, um, everyone stay safe, stay secure, and we'll see you next time.
thank you for tuning into And Security for All. Be sure to join your host, Kim Hakem, for another episode of the show next Friday at noon Pacific time and 3 p.m. Eastern time on the Voice America Business Channel. And don't forget, you can follow Kim on LinkedIn by searching for Kim Hakem. That's Kim, H-A-K-I-M, to keep yourself posted on all of her upcoming cybersecurity events. 